Well, uh, today the title of the message is Believer's Baptism. The text is Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Um, next Sunday, I'm preaching a couple of uh, pretty basic messages here uh, as I uh, prepare my exit because um, I, I do not believe that church should be generic. I, I really don't. I think that um, I think one of the downfalls of uh, of the church in general today, the local church, is that it has become. They have worked so hard to be relevant that they've become generic. And, uh, you know, you can, you can almost uh, find a formula that uh, is being um, uh, done today. And, of course, it's always been that way to a certain extent. But we should believe something. We should know what we believe and why we believe it. So today it's believer's baptism. And next Sunday it will be amazing grace because of, of Levi's baptism this morning. And, and let me just say this, a couple of things real quick. First of all, Levi came forward with, first of all, Levi came to see me with his family in my office, his mom and dad. And we were very careful in talking about salvation with him. And Levi, not every child at age seven has a clear understanding, but Levi is not like every other seven-year-old. Levi had a good deal of insight. He understood the decision that he had made. He understood salvation and he wanted to be baptized. And so then they brought him forward in a service, and, uh, and he made a, a profession of faith. And then uh, he, was, um, he was baptized this morning. Uh, Levi is, is a young uh, a child who was baptized. But baptism isn't limited to children. <clears throat> baptism, uh, that I have baptized probably more adults. In fact, I'm sure in my lifetime I baptized more adults than children. So baptism is something that is, uh, applies to every age. And, and I think that uh, since the possibility that, that Levi may be, and he may not be, but he may be my last baptism in this church, um, I felt like that I wanted to bring a message that I actually brought a couple of years ago and uh, on the subject of baptism. And I, I rarely just go and do that, but because Levi was being baptized and because I felt like that if you are one who thinks that you should be baptized, that you should hear this message. I want to encourage you in that regard. The text is Matthew 28 and verse 18. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. I remember when I was in seminary um, and uh, I was walking out of a service at the Highland Park Baptist Church. I heard a student uh, confronting Dr. Lee Robertson. That's Dr. Lee Robertson right there. One of the greatest men that I've ever known. Uh, is that man right there. He is with the Lord today. Dr. Robertson uh, uh, was a mentor to me. Dr. Robertson ordained me. Uh, <clears throat> a great, great man. And a student was confronting Dr. Robertson after a service. First of all, I was shocked uh, <clears throat> that a college student would, would have the audacity to challenge who we felt like was Moses. And uh, it just, it just was shocking to me, and yet the student uh, challenged, and, and I listened in 
because I, I wanted to uh, I wanted to witness uh, the scene, and so the student had uh, was questioning the importance of baptism, and the student was saying to Dr. Robertson that he didn't feel like that uh, baptism was necessary. He said water baptism isn't part of of salvation, so I think it's only a suggestion in Scripture that people be be baptized. Well, that was the wrong thing to say to Dr. Robertson. And, and <clears throat> Dr. Robertson actually quoted him the text that I read to you this morning. And then he said, son, it is a command of Jesus, not just a suggestion. And the authority of his voice made me want to go to the baptistry and get rebaptized right then because he convinced me and I have always been convinced. I was telling Levi earlier that when I was a little boy, I was baptized in a creek in Tennessee. And my dad took a, uh, a long stick and he walked out into the water. My dad was the preacher. He walked out into the water and to discover a path for all of those being baptized so that they could walk. And we walked out into the water and my father baptized me in Mansker Creek in Goodlettsville, uh, Tennessee, just north of, of Nashville. I was telling Levi about that. And I was telling Levi how that the water was very cold when, when uh, I got baptized. And every time that I've baptized, and usually I will think of the time when I was baptized myself. To be obedient to the Lord in baptism, we must be baptized. And I emphasized this this morning with Levi. We must be emphasized at the right time for the right reason and in the right way. That's important. It's not just an idea. It's important. If being baptized is an act of obedience to our Lord, then we should be baptized in the way that he expects and the way that he would be baptized if he was a convert in our world today. In addition to our text commanding baptism, there's another passage that gives us all of the answers uh, that we are seeking, and it's a story of a deacon in the church of Jerusalem. There was a time when deacons uh, didn't simply deke uh, there was a time when deacons actually preached the Word of God. There was a time when, when deacons, in addition to their duties as a deacon, they went out and they preached the Word to others. And there was a, a deacon named Philip, and Philip uh, had an appointment that God had arranged for him with a government official, and that government official would come to know Jesus Christ, and that government official would be baptized, and it's a wonderful story of baptism. This is from Acts chapter 8 and verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, uh, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure he had come to Jerusalem to worship and was <clears throat> returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the Spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. That's what I meant earlier when I said he had a divine appointment. God was preparing uh, this, this man from Ethiopia, and God was preparing <clears throat> Philip. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and to sit with him. Now the passage of scripture that he was reading was this, 
Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom, I ask you, does this prophet, does the prophet say this, about himself or someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth and began with this scripture. He told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. Now, this is a full demonstration of baptism, a full demonstration of what baptism is supposed to mean and why uh, it means what it does. First of all, if we are to be baptized, we should be baptized at the right time. Now, let me explain that. Many of you, many of you grew up in churches where uh, there was what we refer to as an infant baptism. That is, you were christened as a baby, you, were, you had uh, the, the time that you were brought either <clears throat> to the front of your church or before the priest or whatever it may be, and, and there was a, a baptism that was, uh, that was done, and it was a, a sprinkling of, of a baptism. And, and so many people, <clears throat> and many of you at one time in your life, experience what we refer to as infant baptism. That is not <coughs> what we're talking about today. That is not what happened uh, to Levi this morning. Uh, as we see in the, the case with the man that Philip encountered, there was first a testimony of salvation that was expected. There was a testimony of salvation that should have been given before the ordinance of baptism uh, was to be <coughs> administered. Now, uh, we see this in a lot of places in Scripture, and there's some places in Scripture where folks have uh, difficulty understanding, especially around the subject of baptism. And I want to say to you today that when we baptized Levi this morning, that did not give Levi the guarantee of heaven. Now, you say, is Levi going to go to heaven? I believe that he is. Why? Because he's a child? No, because he came to a place of understanding in his own life and by faith received Jesus Christ as his Savior. So I, when I say that baptism has nothing to do with going to heaven, I want you to understand that that doesn't mean it's unimportant. That doesn't mean that we should have a, a casual attitude in regard to it. I'm just saying to you that baptism is not a, a matter that is required for one to go to heaven. Uh, the, there are those who believe this and they believe it strongly. They believe that you have to be baptized in order to go to heaven. You have to physically, and they, and they rely on every aspect of baptism as their entrance into heaven. Again, I'm not saying it's unimportant. I'm just saying it is not necessary to get you to heaven. We are, after all, called Baptist, and we do baptize but we do not baptize in order for someone to go to heaven. Acts 2.38 is an interesting verse. And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sin, of your sin, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, look, you just look at the first half of that verse. Repent and be baptized, 
every one of you, in the name of Jesus, for the forgiveness of sin. And you think, okay, now you have to be baptized in order to have the forgiveness of sin. Now, there's a couple of things I want to show you. First of all, I believe that that is necessary, but I don't believe that it's the baptism like we did for Levi this morning. And, and secondly, if, it, if this is purely talking about water baptism, I believe that the word for there means because of, not in order to. I jumped for joy. Well, I didn't jump in order to have joy. I jumped because I had joy. Uh, they, they cheered for their team. They didn't cheer in order to have a team. They cheered because they had a team. Now, we, we have to understand that if this verse is talking about water baptism, that is repent and be baptized, uh, and, and be, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of sin, <clears throat> if, if, it, if this is talking about water baptism, then, then and it, it could be, then it means because of, not in order to. There's nothing in Scripture that tells you that in order to go to heaven, you have to be baptized. However, there is a baptism that is necessary for salvation. You say, well, wait just a minute. What baptism is it? Well, it's not one that I would administer. It's not one that I can administer. The baptism that's necessary in order to go to heaven is the Holy Spirit baptism. The Holy Spirit baptizes us into the body of Christ. Now, this is a local church. And this is a manifestation of the body of Christ. When you baptize someone, let's just say it like this, when you baptize someone, they become part of that local church. They are in turn then baptized into that body. They are baptized into the body of the local church. Then how are you baptized into the body of Christ? How are you baptized into the, the, the church or the body of Christ, the greater church? Uh, well, that is by the Holy Spirit of God, not by Pastor Ray or any other pastor. The Holy Spirit of God baptizes us into the body of Christ. It is at, at that point, that is when we are baptized into the body of Christ by the Holy Spirit, that we are indwelled by the Holy Spirit of God. You say, well, then at what point is it? At the point of salvation. When we receive Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord, the Holy Spirit of God baptizes us into the body of Christ. And, and the verse that we have just read tells us that being baptized uh, into the body of Christ in the name of Jesus Christ assures us that we have the gift of the Holy Spirit. So when I look at this, I see that, you know what, uh, if it is talking about water baptism, that is Acts 2.38, it's saying because you have been saved. If it's not talking about water baptism, it's, or, or if that word for means in order to, then it's talking about spirit baptism because the Holy Spirit baptizes us into the body of Christ. Now, there are some, there are some that believe that the Holy Spirit baptism is separate from salvation, and they see some things in Scripture in the early New Testament church that causes them to think that. But the Bible says that if we do not have the Holy Spirit, we are none of His. We are not saved. We are not truly born again. 
And so when does all of this happen? Well, at the point of salvation, the Holy Spirit of God takes us and puts us into the body of Christ. You don't see it like you saw Levi baptized this morning, but it is, he places us into the body of Christ. So when I look at this baptism, the first thing that I, I see is that this is at, at a, as a result of our faith. The, the second thing that, that I see here is that uh, is another teaching about baptism from Ephesians 2, 8 and, and uh, 9. This is something you've heard me uh, use for 25 years plus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one should boast. Now, let's take a step back again. Think about Levi's baptism this morning. Did, did Levi... Uh, coming with his parents and putting on that little baptismal garment that was about a size and a half too big for him, by the way. He was walking on the tail of it. But, but did, did Levi coming in and, and saying, okay, today's the day that I'm going to get baptized, and coming upstairs and waiting for Pastor Ray to come out, and Pastor Ray put on waders, and I put on that black robe that I baptized, and then I baptized him. Now, did that get him into heaven? Was that the work that he needed to do in order to go to heaven? Was that the final effort that he needed to make in order to go to heaven? Well, no. No, it cannot be. Under no circumstances should anyone think that anything can be done to obtain salvation. Salvation is by God's grace. We're going to speak of that amazing grace next Sunday. But it's by God's grace. It travels in a vessel called faith. But none of our salvation is our own doing. In fact, even the faith that we have to believe is a gift from God. Did you know that when you believed on Jesus Christ, if you have believed on Jesus Christ as your Savior, do you know that you didn't conjure up that faith in order to be able to do that? You didn't wake up one morning and rev your faith up and say, all right, I'm going to really get this going and I'm going to be able to be saved because I've got faith going in my life. No, let me show you where your faith came from. If you're a man or a woman or a teenager of faith, Romans 12, 3, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. The faith that we have to believe is a gift from God, just like salvation is a gift from God. When I got saved, I was an eight-year-old boy. I was a little boy. I was so confused. I went to a church that had an altar call, and there were people up there, and they would tap you on the head, and some would say, hold on, and the other would say, turn loose, and you didn't know whether to hold on or turn loose, and, and you just were just total confusion for me, really, as a little boy. And, and I went to, to that Baptist, they had, to that kind of a church, they had what's called a mourner's bench, and I love those people, but it was very, very confusing to me. And when I got saved, here's the measure of faith that I had. I remember it. I remember it like it was yesterday. Here's the measure of faith that I had. It was on a Sunday morning at the McFerrin Avenue Missionary Baptist Church on McFerrin Avenue in East Nashville. And I was, I was kneeled down in front of that mourner's bench. And there were people that were coming by and they were praying with me and telling me, just hold on until you're saved. And there are other people that would say, just turn loose, just turn loose of everything. I didn't understand it. I did not understand it. 
I remember they'd say, just turn loose of everything. And I'd think to myself, but my mama bought me new shoes. I can't forget about my new shoes. And, and I, I'm serious. I would think things like that. And it was, it was so confusing. It was so hard for me. And you know what my measure of faith ended up being? I remember it. Here's my measure of faith. I said, God, I'm a little boy. I don't know what to do. Please save me. That was my measure of faith. Well, where did that come from? That came from God. God just kind of stepped in and said, look here. Just say it easy, son. Just say it easy. Well, God, I'm a, a little boy. I don't know what to do. Please save me. I was eight years old at that time, and I want you to know something. That was enough salvation to carry me for, for now I'm 67 years old. I didn't need any more salvation after that. I don't believe I'm going to need any more salvation still. I'm still trying to live the salvation that, that I got when I was eight years old. But that's, that's where I am, and that's what's, what has happened, uh, what happened in my life. Look, there, there, are, there are times when people think to themselves, I have to conjure up the extraordinary faith that it takes to be saved. No, you don't. You just have to take a step in the faith that God gave you, the measure of faith that God gave you. Early on, when I was that pastor, I told you that I pastored in Sanford, Florida, a little church. And one day I went out, and there's a little old, tiny church, and I went out, and, and uh, I was uh, visiting some people. And, and I, I talked to this, this person about salvation and it was a young guy and and I led this young man to the Lord and he prayed and received Jesus Christ and after it was over he said that seemed too easy and I said do you know why why because God did the hard part Jesus not only died on the cross for our sins he gave us the faith to believe salvation is is a uh, something that is to be done as a believer, but it's to be done uh, at the right time. That is, after we're saved. Salvation is not part of, or baptism is not part of salvation. It can't be by, by scriptural definition, and it just simply uh, can't be because uh, it would be a work then. And here's another reason that it can't be. The feasibility of it. I, I, um, I remember talking to General Bob Milligan. Did any of you remember General Milligan? Would you raise your hand? He was the, uh, the uh, CFO of the state of, was the CFO? I think so. He was the CFO of the state of Florida or the, the chief financial officer. I believe that's what, what his title was back then. They've changed all that since then. But he came to my office one day and uh, uh, General Milligan had been coming to, Milligan had been coming to this, to this church and, and uh, I said to him, I said, you know, I want to talk to you one day, just me and you. And he said, well, sure, I'd love that. I said, would you like to come to my office for, for lunch one day? He said, I'd love that. And so we ordered in, I ordered in some lunch, and he came up there. And <clears throat> I, uh, I began to talk to him about the Lord. And he clearly was a man of faith, and he had a faith in Jesus Christ. He believed in Jesus Christ. He believed that Jesus Christ died on the cross for his sins. And he had confidence that Jesus Christ had saved him. And I said, well, I want to know, General, I want to tell, ask you, when was it that you saw that faith come to play in your life and you knew that you were saved? He said, well, I'm going to be real honest with you. He said, I was in an airplane, and I was flying that airplane. 
And he said, that airplane was going down. And he said, there was really no chance for me to pull out of the dive that I was in. And he said, at one point, I turned to the Lord and I asked the Lord to to be my Savior. Because he said, I knew that I was going to die and I didn't want to die without Jesus Christ. And, And by the way, let me tell you something. There are a lot of people... Who, who get saved when, when they are under extreme duress. There are a lot of people that do. And he said, I asked the Lord to save me and to be my Savior. And he said, then I was able somehow or another to pull out of that dive and I was able to land the airplane. Now let me tell you what he didn't have time to do had that airplane not pulled out of the dive. He didn't have time to go get baptized. He, he, he did not hear from the Lord, no, so sorry. <laughs> you know, you're just about to crash, and I can't, you can't get to a baptistry, so you can't be saved. No, no. That is, uh, it, the, baptism has nothing to do with salvation. It's a result of our salvation. It shows people on the outside that we are saved. And besides that, do you remember this from Luke 23, 42? And he said to Jesus, he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, that is Jesus, truly I say to you today, you'll be with me in paradise. You know who that is? That was one of the thieves on the cross. And that thief on the cross asked to be saved, asked to be remembered, put his faith in the Lord right then. And as a result, Jesus confirmed, you will be with me in paradise. So what are we talking about today? Well, this is kind of a long way to get to a a short truth, but salvation is not predicated on water baptism. Water baptism is followed uh, by, uh, follows salvation. If you have been saved and look to a time before you were saved as your baptism time, I would encourage you to rethink baptism. Doesn't affect your salvation. Salvation is by grace through faith. But you say, well, you know, I was baptized as a child or an infant, and then I got saved when I was 30 years old or 25 years old or 40 years old, and, uh, but I was baptized as a child. Here's the reality of it. The reality is that you have to be baptized at the right time, and baptism follows salvation. It doesn't precede salvation. Here's the second thing very quickly. You, you should be baptized for the right reason. When, when Texas pastor Jim Dennison was in college. He served as a summer missionary in East Malaysia. And while he attended a small church there, there was a, one of the worship services, a teenager came forward to announce her decision to follow Christ and be baptized. And during the service, Dennison looked over to the side and he saw a, a ratty old uh, suitcase that was over to the side. And he asked the, the pastor, he said, what is that suitcase, that old suitcase doing here? And the pastor pointed to the girl who was to be baptized. And he said, her father said that if she was baptized as a Christian, she could never come home again. So she brought her luggage. There are not many people who get baptized like that. There aren't many people who get baptized and bring their luggage with them. In most parts of the world, baptism means more than it does here in the United States. It's, it's, kind of a, it's kind of on our cafeteria list of Christianity in the United States. In the United States, we have so much and we have so many options, even in church, that baptism is just, a, just an option. 
It's not a reality. It's not a real testimony. It's just, an, it'd be nice to be baptized. I think it'd be nice to get baptized. No, no, it's, it is a command of the Lord, and we should follow the Lord in baptism. It means a lot in other parts of the world. I have a, uh, I, I may have, I shouldn't say I have, I may have, I have been asked um, to go to Cuba. And uh, I have some friends that think I shouldn't, but, but I have been asked if I would be interested in going to Cuba because there's about 20 or 25 new converts there who want to start a Baptist church. And the person that led them to the Lord is, is, believes that they should have a Baptist pastor to come and baptize them. And he said, if we can work it out, would you come and baptize uh, them and would you help establish that new church there? Well, I assure you that baptism is going to mean a lot to those people in Cuba, a lot to those people who have lived under uh, heavy, the heavy hand of the Castros for all of these years. Many believers, maybe even some of you, think that it's an option in the Christian life, but it's not part of salvation. It is an important uh, act of obedience. My question then to you is this, have you been baptized since you were saved? Here's some reasons that you should be baptized. First of all, it's obedience. Don't forget what our, our text said. Uh, Jesus came and said, all authority in heaven and in earth is given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son, the Holy Ghost. We live in a world where there are consequences for not obeying. If you don't obey the speed limit, you'll probably get pulled over at some point. If you don't get your, pay your taxes, you're going to be audited and so forth and so on. Somehow or another, we think that the obeying the Lord is just, as I said earlier, a good idea. But it's not. It's an act of obedience. It's also an act of testimony. Obedience is something that all of us uh, can, can demonstrate with our testimony of being baptized. It is a picture of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Think about Levi this morning. Think about how he came in and you saw his little face and, and uh, Pastor Ray baptized him. I laid him back in the water and then he came back up. The death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Pastor Ray, where do you get that? Well, Romans 6, chapter 4. We are buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Think of baptism as a play that you're acting out. I'm acting out this play of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Why should we be baptized? What are the reasons that we should be baptized? We should be baptized in obedience to the Lord. We should be baptized as a testimony of our faith. And here's the third thing. We should be baptized as an example. That's why Jesus was baptized. He was baptized as an example. He wasn't baptized because he had been born again. He is born again. He's the walking born again. He is salvation. Jesus was baptized as an example. And part of the reason that we should be baptized is that we're an example to others. Whenever I've had an adult 
to, to respond to an invitation and to say, look, I either want to make sure of my salvation or uh, I know that there's not been a, I know that I have not been baptized since I was saved and I want to be baptized. I truly want to be baptized now that I have been saved. Uh, whenever I have an adult to come forward, here's typically what happens. Other adults will say, you know what, I need to do that too. And they will respond. Not everyone, but oftentimes many. And the reason is simply because of the, the baptism, the demonstration of the baptism. Now, I'm not suggesting that the, the whole church should get baptized. I'm not suggesting that everybody should be baptized, but I am suggesting this, that if your example of baptism would encourage another person, then you should be baptized. And, and let me say, I'll, I'll say this too, and this is a little different from some things that you may have heard. There are two ordinances in the church. There's the ordinance of the Lord's table or the Lord's supper communion, and then there's baptism. Now, we partake of communion. Some churches partake of it every Sunday, some people every month, some every quarter. We're a quarterly type church. And we partake of that communion on uh, an occasion. Typically, people are baptized one time, but there's nothing in the rule book that says you just get baptized one time. If part of it is being an example, and I've I've said this before, and it's happened right here in this church, I I have had adults say, I will be baptized with my child to encourage my child in baptism. I've already been baptized since I was saved, but I'll be baptized with my, my child and encourage my child in salvation. You say, well, isn't that kind of like double salvation? No, it has nothing to do with salvation. It's an example. It's an example. When people go to, to um, Israel, what do they typically do? What is one of the things that they do in Israel? They give you the opportunity to be what? Baptized in the River Jordan. That happens in every tour group. There are people who are baptized in the River Jordan. Why do they do that? Well, they want to be baptized where Jesus was baptized. Well, did they not have a baptism earlier? They probably did. They just baptized as an, are baptized as an experience and an example. We're talking about baptism this morning. We're talking about believer's baptism. Baptized at the right time. Baptized in the, uh, in the right reason, for the right reason. And then here's finally, baptized in the right way. Some, some people, and some of you, came from churches that do not baptize by immersion. That is, put you under the water. Now, and, and that's part of the thing right there. People say, oh, here it comes. I mean, he wants to get his hands on me and hold me down until I say tithe. Um, that's not it. But I do believe this. I believe that there is one biblical mode of baptism. I believe the Bible teaches one biblical mode of baptism. And just as it's important to be baptized at the right time, and it's to, important to be baptized for the right reason, it's important to be baptized in the right way. And the word baptize is not a translated word. The word baptize is a transliterated word. Here's what the word baptize means. It actually means to dip. It's, it's a word that was used in the, uh, the Greek language. It was used to talk about how you would dye clothes. How do you dye those clothes? Well, you take the, the cloth 
and you baptize it into the vat of dye and you bring it back out and it is changed. It's a different color. It's sometimes, sometimes folks have a hard time with the idea of immersion. But baptism by immersion is the only baptism that you see in Scripture. Now, I'm not trying to be hard here and I'm not being mean to your mom and dad or anything like that. I'm just saying this is the way that it is. Go back to the text. It's a picture. Or go back to Romans 6, 4. We are buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. It's, it's, a, it's a picture. And the, the, there, is, there is no picture of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ in being sprinkled. There is no picture. There is a picture, according to Romans uh, 6, 4, in baptism by immersion. And, and look, go back and, and look at some of the things that we have talked about today and see how they were baptized. Look at Acts eight thirty six. And as they went, were, uh, and as they were going along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? Now, let me, let me just stop right there and tell you that the eunuch probably he was, he was pretty wealthy, and he had a, uh, a chariot. Do you think he didn't have some drinking water? Do you think that he didn't say, uh, couldn't have said, hey, look, uh, I got a canteen full of water. Could you baptize me? Now he waited until they got to a body of water, and he said, look, what prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water. Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. If it's two things, it's obedience and it is action or a picture on the outside of what took place on the inside for you. And look at Jesus, Matthew three thirteen. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the uh, to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him, and John would have prevented him, saying, "I need to be baptized by you." And, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered, let it be so now, for uh, thus it is fitting for us to fulfill our righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized immediately, he went up from the water. And behold, the heavens were open to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice of heaven saying, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Where do you think he was when he came up from the water? He was under the water. It's, it's, a, it's a biblical thing. It's not a salvation thing. It is an obedience thing. It is a biblical thing, and it is a blessing. Let me close with this quick story. I had a friend, some of you got to know him. His name was Max Helton. And Max was the founder of a, a ministry to the racing community around the world. What was known for, uh, what he was really known for for many years was his outreach to NASCAR drivers. He actually, some of you might remember that one time he brought Bill Elliott to this, uh, to this church. I never will uh, forget Bill Elliott coming and speaking uh, at this church. And, and good old Bill, Bill loved the Lord. He was saved. But Bill, uh, he, he uh, lacked some, some, um, some uh, Christian lingo, and uh, it was pretty, it was interesting. Well, Max is with the Lord now, but he, one of the people he led to the Lord is that guy, Jeff Gordon. 
And Jeff Gordon was baptized in October of 1994 after he was saved. He had won his first of uh, two, he had won his first two Winston Cup races, and they were great thrills. But following his baptism, he said, this is the happiest day of my life. And that's what baptism is supposed to be. It's supposed to be a happy day in our lives. It's not supposed to be a dread. It's supposed to be something that we embrace. It's something that, that we, by which we identify with the Christ who saved us. Yesterday I did a wedding, and I was standing right here when Carrie Hines and Ryan Otero made their commitments to one to another. And I said, what token do you give as a symbol of your love, sincerity, and and fidelity? And Ryan said, a ring. And I took that ring, and I put it, uh, gave it to him, and he put it on Carrie's finger. And then I asked Carrie the same. She said, a ring. Now, here's the thing. They, they got rings that they put on their fingers. The, the ring did not make them married. The ring was a demonstration of their commitment and their marriage. I have a wedding ring. I have been married 45 years. This ring didn't make me married. This ring is a demonstration that I am married to Jan. And she has a ring that's a demonstration that she is married to me. And this morning, Levi demonstrated, I belong to Jesus. The question is, have you demonstrated that with your life?